Welcome everyone to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross and it is time for a preview of Indian Wells 2022, the first Masters 1000 of the year. The number one signal that spring has arrived and the start of what is really the best part of tennis season from now until late August. It all begins here. If you're new to the channel, here's what I do on these previews. I take you quarter by quarter. I give you a dark horse, which is an unseeded player who I think can go deep, an upset alert, which is a seeded player who I think might lose early, a popcorn match, which is an early round match that I'm looking forward to and I don't think you should miss, and then of course a quarterfinal prediction where I say who I think will be in the quarterfinal and who will win the quarterfinal. At the end, I will give my final weekend prediction. For those of you who saw my post on the YouTube community tab, thank you for the kind messages, uh, for picking me up when I was down in the dumps last night because I recorded this whole thing and I lost it all due to a technology failure, so I've rehearsed and this is round two of, uh, of recording the preview. Before I begin, a shout out to Player Court, the place to go if you are looking for a local coach, a local practice partner, or a local match. I've arranged a special 50% discount for you to join the Player Court community. And to explore that, you got to click the link in the description, playercourt.com backslash Gil Gross. We are also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made simple, where instead of competing against others, you're actually competing just against your own lineup and you're picking a series of props. So for example, if you think a player is going to do well at Indian Wells, you can pick that they're going to win over a number of games and you make those picks and boom. Now, if you use the promo code GILL, you get a 100% bonus on your first deposit, which means let's say you, you throw in $50, use the promo code GILL, boom, it's $100. And that link will also be in the description to sign up for prize picks, picks with the promo code GILL. Couple of words. Now, uh, just before we get into the quarter by quarter, first of all, a refresher on last year, crazy Indian Wells. You had no top 20 seeds in the semifinals. It was... Fritz versus Basilishvili and Nori versus Dimitrov. Nori Basilishvili final. Nori is the champion. I don't think this it's I don't think Indian Wells is usually like that. Uh, I liken that to the spot in the calendar when it was played in October last year with post US Open motivation. We know how that can be funky all over the map. And the chilly October temperatures, which made it some of the slowest conditions you will ever see. Now, Indian Wells is always slow. It is a gritty hard court, a lot like clay in terms of how the ball bounces. It takes to spin, it bounces high, and the ball loses a lot of speed when it hits the court. The only thing hard court about it is, of course, the movement where you're moving like it's a hard court and you have great traction, unlike clay. Um, but it's not going to be as slow as it was last year. And you're not going to have that U.S. Open dynamic where you have weird motivational factors. In fact, if you look at Indian Wells over the course of, of recent history, big picture, there's really haven't been that many weird results aside from last year. The 2010 final was a bit weird with Lubacic beating Roddick, but even that's not that weird. Lastly, before I begin, uh, just a quick word on, on Novak Djokovic, who withdrew um, earlier this morning from the event and Miami, by the way, 
And when I did my preview last night, I did not include him because I anticipated that even though he was in the draw, that he would not be playing. If uh, if anyone's looking for my opinion, quickly I'll just give it on on the sequence of events there. I think it made perfect sense for Djokovic to wait until the last possible moment to make sure that guidelines for travelers getting into the U.S. did not change. However, the last possible moment definitely wasn't 24 hours before first ball. It was definitely at the latest right before the draw got made. And you at least, at that point in time, any ordinance like like that is not going to be effective immediately. They always set a date in advance. So you knew yesterday that that things were not going to change in time for Djokovic to enter the U.S. So he should have withdrawn before the draw was made at some point before. And I understand why he waited, but he waited too long. And I really don't understand why he did it. Um, and as a result, we have uh, Grigor Dimitrov taking Djokovic's spot in the draw, just like for Krejcikova, who withdrew from injury on the women's side. The the seeds are not reshuffled. Instead, the, the player who is the next player to be seeded takes the spot of any seeded player who withdraws after the making of the draw. So it is Dimitrov in the position that the number two seed would ordinarily be in. And with that, let's move on to the quarter-by-quarter quarter previewing of this Indian Wells. Beginning with Daniil Medvedev's quarter, the top seeds are Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Nori, RBA, Basilishvili, Alcaraz, Hachinov and Monfils. I think this is uh, an interesting quarter with some very interesting potential round threes. We could get a Medvedev-Monfils. We could get a rematch of last year's final in round three between Basilishvili and Nori, which is pretty funny. Tsitsipas has, I think, a, a very favorable section in my opinion, although Nori just beat him last week and potentially Tsitsipas could get Nori again. Um, my dark horse in this quarter, and I have two of them, it's Pedro Martinez and Jensen Brooksby. Martinez is a player who I'm pretty sure I've made a dark horse before because I've been a believer in him for a year, maybe a little bit more than a year now. There's nothing he does that is spectacular that's going to blow you out of the water. But Martinez is a really good, powerful athlete who hits very heavy and consistent off of both wings. Not the most creative player. And the way he serves is perfect for this court. He hits mostly a kick serve, doesn't have a great slice or a great flat serve. But he's got a very good kick serve. And that's going to be the best serve on these Indian Wells courts that are very gritty. Jensen Brooksby is my other dark horse, and we haven't seen that much of Brooksby in 2022. He did make the final at the Dallas Open and did well in the Columbus Challenger. But to me, when Brooksby, when it's a big tournament, I'm I'm backing Brooksby. I think that he really gets up for the occasion. And as a California kid, I just I I and well rested, by the way, hasn't played in a couple weeks. I feel like Jensen Brooksby is a top 30 player in this spot. So 
I actually don't love the conditions for Brooksby. I think it's a little slow, and I prefer Brooksby on quicker courts that kind of help his offense along a little bit because he lacks some of that ground stroke speed. Still, he's a dark horse to me because I think he's a top 30 player in this spot. I would just power rank him up there. So uh, by virtue of that, um, just to give you an idea of where those dark horses are in the draw, Pedro Martinez will play a qualifier or a lucky loser, and then he he could get Cam Nori um, in round number two. And then Brooksby will play Roberto Carbias Baena and then play Hachinov in the second round. I don't have any of the seeds here on upset alert. This is the only spot in the draw where I, I put a nun. Um, I just... I couldn't force it here. Nothing, none of these seeds really stuck out to me. Um, although I think Martinez and Brooksby are dark horses, I just, I couldn't put their opponent, um, Hachinov and um, Nori on, on upset alert. I couldn't quite go there. Um, and then early popcorn, another one where I just didn't really see any early round matches sticking out to me. So I wrote wait until round three. I already mentioned some of those intriguing round three matchups. Okay, quarterfinal prediction is Stefano Tsitsipas defeats Daniil Medvedev. So give me a moment here first to discuss Medvedev. I don't like Medvedev coming into this event, and I don't think he is going to make it to that potential Rafael Nadal rematch in the semifinal. I don't. There's four factors that I don't like right now with Medvedev. Got to start with the court conditions, especially if he plays at night. Indian Wells at night, it is as slow as it gets, as slow as any court on tour. Now you look towards his draw. If we're going to look at Daniil Medvedev in slow conditions that don't reward flat hitters, what he's going to have trouble with is generating offense. So now we look at his draw. Does he play anyone very fast? Does he play a speedster who's going to cover the court and make it difficult for Medvedev to finish? Well, yes. Gael Monfils is there, Carlos Alcaraz is there, and Stefano Tsitsipas potentially in the quarterfinal is there. There is no way in my draw that I am going to have, um, I just didn't feel like I could have Medvedev going through all three of them. I think all three of those can be dangerous, Monfils mostly only at night. I don't think Medvedev is a great matchup for Carlos Alcaraz, so I put Medvedev through. But Tsitsipas um, is the one who I have taking out Medvedev. Here are the other factors. It's his first event playing as the one seed. And that's an adjustment for players. That takes some getting used to. That can be weird mentally, emotionally, to see that one next to your name. And that can be a lot if you're not used to it. Um, the third thing is the lack of rest that I think at some point this season, and it might be right now, is going to catch up with Daniil Medvedev. You can't have a three-week off season and expect that to not come back and be a problem at some point in the season. And I thought he looked a little bit weary in Acapulco, and I feel like this might be a little bit of a lull in his season right now because of fatigue, because of the fact that he just didn't have that off season. The last factor is the... Uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. And I just, the reason I put that last is because I'm, I don't really know about that factor. And if that has an effect, if that's a distraction, if that's weighing, 
on Daniil Medvedev's mind right now. I, I don't even really know how Medvedev uh, feels about it, but I think it is very fair to throw that out there as just another complication, uh, another complicating factor for all Russian and Ukrainian players right now is that what is going on in their home countries is very, very traumatic and jarring. So um, I have to throw that out there as well. As for Stefano Tsitsipas, some of you are probably saying, Gil, he has not been good. He has not looked good um, in recent weeks. And that is true. Tsitsipas, since the Australian Open, has lost to FAA. No shame in that. But then he's lost to Roman Safulin and Cameron Norrie. And more than anything, it's been the score lines that have been so bad for Tsitsipas. None of those three matches have been close. But at the end of the day, and this will be a common theme, indoor hardcourt post-Australia um, I'm just not going to, and I know I know Mexico is is outdoors, uh, but and so is Dubai. I'm not going to put a massive amount of stock in that part of the calendar. I'm just not, for the most part. And I don't even think Stefano should have been playing those events. So I'm certainly not going to judge what we saw there too harshly. And I'm going to say that what we saw in Australia could happen again here, that Tsitsipas just worked his way into form at the Australian Open, played some good tennis in Melbourne. That's what I needed to see. I've already seen him play good tennis in 2022. So um, that's that. And by the way, Medvedev, he owns Tsitsipas on hard courts. But guess what? This just doesn't play like a normal hard court. It, it just doesn't. And if you look at the matches that Medvedev has beat Tsitsipas on hard courts, ATP Finals matches, Australian Open... It's not like these Indian well, gritty, slow, hard courts where I feel like the matchup will look more like it does on clay. Stefano Tsitsipas beat Daniil Medvedev in straight sets at Roland Garros. I don't know that there's anyone else in this quarter who I want to discuss. Again, I like Alcaraz coming in. Just don't think Medvedev's a good matchup for him. Basilashvili, I mean, chances are he... Um, I mean, he's been so inconsistent. I mean, he has the one final in Doha. Other than that, it's been first-round losses city. So uh, I don't have too much faith in him. RBA does not like it here. It's too slow. Cam Norrie's a threat. Uh, there's a limit to that threat, but Cam Norrie's a threat. Let's move on to Rafael Nadal's quarter. The top seeds are Kaspar Ruud, Yannick Sinner, Denis Shapovalov, Riley Opelka, Lorenzo Sinego, Dan Evans, and Federico Del Bonis. I like the top section of this quarter. I think that um, Rude and Sinner and Nadal are all in pretty good shape at this point. Shapovalov, and then by the way, Opelka has been playing great tennis, and I could see big things from Riley. Shapo, I just don't know. Who, who the heck knows? I mean, he has not been good since Australia at all. He's been very bad, but you just... You don't know. These conditions do give him a chance, um, meaning they're not... I don't I don't see them as disadvantageous for Shapovalov. And then things really drop off with Sinego, Evans, Evans, Nadal. That has kind of 6-2, 6-2 written all over it if that match happens. And then Del Bonis hasn't won on a hard court in, um, in a very long time. Maybe he has, but he hasn't won much on a hard court in a very long time. My dark horse in this quarter is Nick Kyrgios. 
If you've been following the channel for a long time, that surprises you probably because you know that I am not one to put Nick Kyrgios in the dark horse. Uh, and then in the comments, usually it's like, Gil, did you forget about Kyrgios? And it's like, no, I did not. I just don't think he's a dark horse. There's a couple things happening here. First of all, it's best of three with days off. Indian Wells, the matches are physical, but then there's a lot of rest. So I don't consider it in terms of a wear and tear perspective. I think endurance matters, but uh, Kyrgios usually wears down. Nick actually plays pretty well in long matches. It's just he wears down. Um, so best of three, I think, helps him. The days off help him because physically there's always a challenge there. Then I have this hunch, and I could be wrong, but I kind of feel like he's going to be very focused and motivated here because I think he's in a good headspace mentally. Maybe it's social media BS, but he just seems to be happy and in a much better place mentally than he's been over the course of the last couple years. And let's face it, I think there's going to be some urgency. I think he feels like he does need he does need a run here. He needs some rankings points so that he doesn't really slip into territory that's going to make it very hard for him to do anything without a wild card. It's just, you know, he's only one run away from changing that. So I just have a hunch that we're going to get a focused and relaxed and quality Nick Kyrgios at Indian Wells. We'll see what happens. So he's a dark horse um, for me. Upsettler is Denis Shapovalov. He's been just completely unreliable. And um, I... There seems to be... I, I don't know what's happening. I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't have that much to say, honestly. I think everyone kind of knows where I'm coming from. If you look at the results, it's been uh, just wildly inconsistent. And I think that's enough. Uh, my early popcorn match is uh, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina versus Borna Chorich. Welcome back, Borna Chorich. Back from um, shoulder surgery. Hasn't played in over a year. Really great to see. Uh, everybody should uh, should be watching that. And Davidovich Fokina is one of the more entertaining players in the world, in my opinion. He's fixed his service motion, ADF. I'm curious to see if that is going to spurn a really great 2022 for Davidovich Fokina. Um, and we'll see on the slower hard courts and the clay, which gives him a much better chance to be successful. I'm very curious to see what we get out of the Spaniard. And uh, there also will be some opportunity for uh, for either of those players um, in this draw as the winner does get Denis Shapovalov, the upset alert. Um, and then also to cover bases, Curios uh, plays Sebastian Baez in the first round. Could be better, could be worse. Baez, very respectable player, but Curios has... Way more firepower in that matchup. And then Del Bonus, which again, on a hard court, even a hard court like this, I think that's a pretty good draw for Nick Kyrgios. So then eventually it could be Casper Rude. If we get as far as Rude, I like I would like Rude in that match. Don't get me wrong, but the return of serve on hard courts has been the issue. And Kyrgios does have that elite serve to potentially take advantage of that. So I do think it's a great draw for Nick as well. Quarterfinal, Nadal defeats Rude.
Um, I guess the inflection point on the bottom half of the draw, I have Yannick Sinner versus Kasparud, the 8 seed versus the 10 seed. It's a somewhat tough match to call, and without delving too much into the X's and O's, I do feel like at this point, Casper uh, is still quite a bit more physical than Sinner. And I think that matters a lot on these gritty hard courts. Rude is going to be able to find a lot of forehands, and his forehand should be so deadly with the heavy topspin on these gritty courts. And we've seen the Del Potros of the world, the teams of the world, win recent titles here. I just think it really suits Rude's game. You know, Sinner has the edge backhand to backhand, but it's not enough for me to pick him in that potential matchup. I won't go further than that. Um, and uh, and then, yeah, N Nadal, I feel great about. I do think Nadal has a, uh, a favorable draw. Um, if he plays Opelka, we know how strong he's been against big servers in his career with uh, the return he possesses and the passing shots and the defending and the counter-punching, not to mention the fact that you just can't see Opelka um, breaking serve with a lot of comfort against Nadal at all. Uh, and then I think Dan Evans, again, I think that's a nightmarish matchup for for Dan. So I think uh, Nadal through to the quarterfinal, um, you know, a, a better a better version of of Rude, certainly, at this stage. There's no doubt about that. I don't want to get too much into that matchup. Uh, instead, I want to move on to Alexander Zverev's quarter. The top seeds are Berrettini, Felix Auger-Aliassime, Pablo Carreno-Busta, Taylor Fritz, Alex Menor, and Lloyd Harris. Um... I don't have too much to say about this quarter. I do think that, as you'll see, the first, maybe the first five seeds, until we get to Demonor, I could see any of them coming through. So I think it's one of the more toss-up-y quarters, given the state of Alexander Zverev, but more on that later. Here's my Dark Horses. Upset alert and early popcorn. My dark horse is Ilya Avashka. He's a player who I believe in, in general. I think slow hard courts are, is a good surface for him. He loves to take the ball on the rise. He has the power to hit through a slow hard court. The injuries have bugged him in 2022. But I'm keeping the faith. I still think he can get into the top 30 at some point. I expect him to. And for that reason, for the most part, he's a dark horse for me, along with Miamir Kecmanovic, who was very impressive at the Australian Open. He's a young player, uh, had a dip in his career last season and maybe a little bit. No, yeah, just really last season. And now he's kind of on the up and up again. Upset alert is Marin Cilic. I'm not emphatic about that, but... I do feel like this is um, this is a court where Chilich is not going to be able to shorten points well enough for him to really be successful. Early popcorn matches: Matteo Berrettini versus Hugo Umber. Um, Umber is a player with a winning record in his career against top ten players, which generally means. You're at the very least a top 20 player yourself. The problem with Umber, he just takes a lot of bad losses. In fact, 
his record against players in general is not that much above 500. So his his win rate doesn't really it doesn't really go up against lesser competition, which it is supposed to. But Umber being the lefty in a good position to attack uh, Berrettini's backhand with his can opener slice serve. With that being said, conditions are a little slow for Umber. Berrettini comes off that another abdominal injury. He keeps having issues with his abs, so I hope he's healthy. I'm not high on Mateo coming into this event for that reason. I'm worried about his serve. We've seen injuries take a little bit of sap out of his serve effectiveness in the past. So I'm a little bit tentative, and I think that that Berrettini-Umber match can be very competitive. Just want to let you guys know where Avashka and... Um, I want to let you guys know where everyone is on the draw. Um, Avashka will play Jan Lennard Struff in round one, and the winner gets Alex Dimonor, who is going to hate these courts as a flat hitter who likes much quicker conditions. So I do think um, Avashka is in a good spot here to potentially get past round two. And then as it pertains to... Um, I'm sorry. As it pertains to Kachmanovich, where is he? Did I make a mistake? Oh, no. There he is. Uh, qualifier lucky loser in round one, and then he will get Marin Cilic, again, player on upset alert. Um, I also should add um, tough first round for Francis Tiafo who gets the winner of Adrian Manorino and Brandon Nakashima. I'm saying first round, but I really should be saying first match in cases like that. So let's get to the quarterfinal. I have Felix Oje Aliasim taking out Taylor Fritz. Plain and simple, I prefer FAA to um, Berrettini in the top half of this quarter, and I prefer Fritz to Zverev in the bottom half of this quarter. Felix is just a player who I'm extremely high on right now. I think he's had a top five level throughout 2022. Um, and that's elite. I think if he plays his best, it's going to be better than what Berrettini, if he avoids the early rounds, if that matchup happens. I think that he'll have um, better than Berrettini has to offer. I think FAA is a tremendous returner, which obviously really helps against Mateo. And uh, I'm high on FAA here. As for Taylor Fritz, he has not been great since the Australian Open. He suffered some bad losses. Again, I, I just don't put too much stock into that part of the year. I'd much prefer to look at ATP Cup, Australian Open, and then even a little bit less so, but even what we saw throughout last fall from Taylor Fritz, where he was beating elite players very consistently. He always plays Verev tough. He has every single time. I think Fritz is, is hitting the ball great. I don't know what's happened in the last couple weeks, so maybe I should have more recency bias, and I shouldn't be picking Taylor to the quarterfinal, but I am. As for Alexander Zverev, because let's face it, Zverev at his best against Fritz, of course I like Zverev every day of the week. I'm just not very confident in Zverev at the moment. I think that he's lost some of the effectiveness on his forehand, the very thing that made him so difficult to beat from the Olympics forward in 2022. 
He's not hitting that shot with as much conviction as he needs to anymore. And I think the crowd's going to be brutal on him. I think it's going to. I think it's an engaged tennis crowd that is going to be hard on him. And I don't know how he's going to handle that mentally. And I don't know how he is mentally in in general in the big picture right now. I mean, he just his uh, his loss against Shapovalov was uh, very very poor from a level perspective, and his loss to Bublik uh, didn't make much sense to me either. And that was pretty bad in. Um, What's the pink court? I'm forgetting. Mar Marseille. It wasn't Marseille. France. I'm forgetting, but France. Um, so yeah. I, so Felix defeats Fritz in um, Alexander Zverev's quarter. Here's one last look at it. And let's move on now to Novak Djokovic's quarter. It still is. I mean, you know, but it, I, I guess I could call it Grigor Dimitrov's quarter. Um, or... Or Andrei Rublev's quarter. Rublev is the highest seed. Dimitrov is in Djokovic's spot. You also have Hubert Hurkacz, Diego Schwartzman, Aslan Karatsev, John Isner, Francis Tiafo, and Alexander Bublik. I'm not just saying this because Djokovic is out, but this is, I think, the weakest quarter in the draw. In fact, I don't think there's anyone that I'm super confident about Period. Not not a single player here. Um, of course, someone's gonna make the semis. That's how this works. So I'm gonna try to uh, I'm gonna try to pick correctly. Uh, my dark horse is Emil Rusevori. Great baseliner. Very clean ball striker. I think he's a lot like Yannick Sinner. There's he, the the serve isn't very big. Not a lot of creativity or variation, but the backhand is super solid, the forehand super solid, and there's a lot of power and a lot of consistency. Francis Tiafo is my upset alert. I'm sorry, I said it for the other quarter. I just think it's a tough draw for Francis, and the courts are a bit slow for him as well. Uh, winner of Manorino and Nakashima. Early popcorn matches, Alexander Bublik versus Andy Murray. It's a, it's a matchup we've seen a lot recently, I think. And um, I do favor Andy in that, but uh, that's a good uh, round two. It's not a thrilling round two, I won't lie. Um, Murray um, with another wild card in this one, but I do think it's the best round two to choose from. Let's go to uh, the quarterfinal prediction now. I have John Isner defeating Andre Rublev. Yeah, it's my surprise pick. And once again, guys, and you have to believe me when I say this, I thought not in a million years was I going to pick John Isner to make the semifinal here. Isner has not done anything really in 2022. In fact, he is four and six record-wise. He doesn't really have any bad losses. I feel like the draws have been pretty bad for him in uh, in Mexico. Um, in Acapulco, he lost to Cam Nori, eventual champion. In Dallas, he lost to um, Riley Opelka in two tie breaks. One of the tie breaks was 24-22. In Australia, he lost to Cressy in a, in a fifth set. I just, it hasn't gone his way, but uh, at the end of the day, he plays way better in the United States than he does anywhere else. And these courts are great for him. He's made a final here. He's made a semi-final here. 
His kick serve is absolutely nasty. But the most important reason why I have John Isner as my surprise pick is because of his draw. Diego Schwartzman is um, one of his roadblocks, potentially. And Schwartzman doesn't beat Milos Raonic, doesn't beat Riley Opelka, and doesn't beat John Isner. Look at his record against those guys. He doesn't win those matches. And Schwartzman in general, the level has been all over the place anyway. Um, and I just, I don't know what we're getting out of Schwartzman match to match because recently it's just been really hard to tell exactly what he's going to bring to the table. Then you have Rublev, um, of course. And Rublev's 0-3 against John Isner. And now he'll be playing him, Rublev would be playing him, on an American hard court, which is way slower than Rublev would want. And I also think John might handle that occasion a little bit better than Rublev at this stage. Andre's hot. So let me talk, let me take a moment to talk about Andre. He has uh he's won what? Uh is it is it two titles in a row? No. Is it is it two titles in a row? I think it might be. Hold on. Um yeah, he's on a nine-match win streak. Two titles in a row, one in um, in Marseille, and then one in uh, Dubai. Sorry, I'm all over the place here. Yeah, one in Dubai. Dubai and Marseille. Again, I'm, I'm fair here about what I say. I'm consistent. Post-Australian Open, indoor, hardcore, or Dubai, one of the fastest hardcourts in the world— for Andre Rublev in a 500/250, Dubai being a 500 and Marseille a 250, that's not Indian Wells to me. Uh, and I need to see Rublev transfer that confidence and that success over to a Masters 1000 tournament, significantly more pressure, outdoors, very very slow, where Rublev's serve is not going to give acquire him as much purchase. He's going to have to win a lot more rallies, play more physical, be more patient, handle the pressure, handle the nerves, and uh, to me, it's just it's a different ball game. I want Rublev to do well. I I I will say that like I'm um, I'm hoping that he kind of I don't know just because he cares so much and he seems so upset. And uh, it, it's just good to see him a little bit happier in, in a better spirit, if we're being honest. But um, I don't, it's not that I, it's not that I don't think he's going to do well. I'm just not sold. And I can't pick him over John Isner in that potential quarterfinal. Hercotch, I'm not high on at all. I think his his forehand is still giving him major problems. He's made back-to-back quarterfinals at this event. I don't understand that based on like, the conditions. I feel like, again, the sample size is only two entries and it doesn't make that much sense to me other than Hercotch is great on American hard court. I, I just, I feel like this would be a little slow for him. Uh, Dimitrov hasn't been good. Um, you know where I stand on Tiafo. Uh, Bublik, I don't think is much of a threat. Uh, Karatsev, Karatsev, I think is a contender to come out of the quarter as well. But um, he's played a little too sloppy oftentimes as of late. So he's not a player who I really trust week to week. And uh, I didn't go with him. So John Isner in Novak Djokovic's quarter. Which brings us to the final weekend. Here we go. Drum roll, please. Nadal defeats Stefano Tsitsipas in two sets. 
FAA defeats Isner in three sets. Nadal defeats FAA in two sets. I want to take this moment to discuss my pick to win Indian Wells, Rafael Nadal. I made this pick with little to zero hesitation. Everybody seems a little bit down to me right now. There's nobody I really feel great about except for Nadal. Even Felix, who I do feel great about, I don't really like the conditions for him. His serve plus one effectiveness is going to be a bit muted, and he's going to have to construct more rallies. It's not great for him. It's not ideal. I still have him going to the final because I love how he's playing. Tsitsipas is uncertain. Zverev is uncertain in my eyes. Medvedev is uncertain in my eyes. Nadal, on the other hand, I think is in a place mentally that is dangerous for the field. I think he's having his Roger Federer 2017 moment where he's just won a major that he didn't expect to win coming off of injury. He's on cloud nine. He's playing loose, relaxed, like he's got house money, feeling healthy, pain-free, confident on the court. If he brings the level that he brought at Acapulco, I can't see anyone touching him. And as a result, he is confidently my pick to win Indian Wells. Looking forward to coverage throughout the tournament. There's going to be a lot of YouTube shorts um, that will also go up on the live tennis app, TNNS. So I'll give a quick plug to that. You'll see my content up on there. And uh, looking forward to a great week and a half. Hope you enjoyed. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.